the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Reading from chapter 11, beginning at verse 25. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please have a seat. Well, my name is Liz Gray, and I'm the rector at Incarnation, and I'm so good, glad to be with you this afternoon. It's uh, lovely to be worshipping and to be able to see your faces in the boxes and to be able to see those of you who are at Garden Church. And so one of the things that I, we like to do at the beginning of a service is to give the kids some kind of challenge. So if you're listening to me, kids, and you want to challenge, the one for today is, I wonder if while I am speaking, you can find a picture of a yoke, not an egg yoke, an oxen yoke, the kind that puts two animals together when they're working in the field. And I want you to find out, are they the only animals which ever have a yoke? And why do they have them? What is the point of them? Why do, why do farmers use them? And another thing you could maybe think about is, have you ever been carrying something which is really, really heavy, and then someone comes and offers to carry it for you? Isn't that a relief? Perhaps you could think about what feels really heavy in your life right now. And perhaps you could think about something which you don't really understand and you don't know why it's happening. In that reading I just read from Matthew's Gospel, Jesus says he'll carry the heavy things in our life. How does that feel? And why do you think Jesus told people he would give them a yoke? While the kids are thinking about that, I wonder if we could go back for a few minutes to that reading which we heard just now from 1 Kings chapter 12 about this king, Rehoboam. So, okay, first of all, who is he? Well, he was David's grandson and Solomon's son. David, this is quite a lineage. David, the king, the famous king, a great warrior who was so passionately lived and loved, and he was always getting into trouble and then coming back to God. And then when you read about him in the New Testament, you tend to hear about him being described as being faithful. But when David dies and hands over the kingdom, goes over to his son Solomon, it's slightly chaotic. It's a little bit of a mess at that point. But Solomon, his son, begins his reign so well. And there's a famous story where God gives him wisdom. But somehow over the years, he loses his way with his wealth and his sexual appetite and has lots and lots and lots of wives and concubines. And he begins to lose some of that richness of his relationship with God. His grasp on power becomes more and more aggressive. He increased taxation. He conscripted labor. 
and the requirements of military service had fueled discontent among the people. Those many wives and concubines I mentioned, they were all many of them were people who followed other gods, and so they drew away his attention from God, his father. And so when he dies, out of this maelstrom, his son Rehoboam takes the throne. And he had been born at about the time when King Solomon became king. And so throughout his 40 years or so, he had watched his father rule. And watched the way that he had strayed further and further away from his love of God at the beginning. The things which had motivated him. And so when Rehoboam comes to the throne... The whole of Israel comes to him, these 12 tribes which David had worked so hard to break into a unified kingdom. And so when his father dies, they says in chapter 12, verse 3, all the assembly of Israel came and said to him, your father made our yoke heavy. Now therefore lighten the hard service of your father and his heavy yoke on us, and we will serve you. And Rehoboam says to them, go away for three days and then come back. I'm going to think about this. And so he recognizes some of the discontent in the land. And so he calls for the elders, the people who had served his his father, the king, the people who had been around for a long time and watched the changes in Israel. And he asks for their advice. And they said to him in verse 7, if you will be a servant to this people today and serve them, And speak good words to them when you answer them. Then they will be your servants forever. Hmm. Rehoboam didn't think that much of this advice. The option of serving the people wasn't kind of quite what he had in mind. He'd been waiting all his life to get into this position of power. And now he had it to be asked to be a servant. So not liking that advice very much. He turned to the young men who he had grown up with. And they said to him, in verse 10, Thus shall you speak to this people who said to you, Your father made our yoke heavy, but you lighten it for us. Thus shall you say to them, My little finger is thicker than my father's thighs. And now, whereas my father laid on you a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. Not nice. Not perhaps a physical wooden yoke, but a yoke nevertheless, a system of oppression, a physical and financial burden, dehumanizing the people who followed him. And not just a yoke, not just a whip, but a scourge with scorpions. Rehoboam ignores the opportunity to serve his people, and chaos erupts. The kingdom which came to him as this unified group of 12 tribes quickly broke up and he landed up as king in Judah of the two tribes of Judah and Benjamin. And Jeroboam took over the kingdom of the north, Israel, the 10 tribes. Rehoboam had had opportunity as he came to the king. He had an opportunity to heal the wounds of the past, but instead he precipitates a crisis. Now one thing that's worth noting The people were not asking Rehoboam not to lead. They expected some form of yoke. They expected to need to follow the king. 
They expected, I no doubt, to pay taxes. They no doubt also expected to be soldiers and to form armies and to protect their nation. It was normal for the nations to have to have armies and to protect their borders. But what they were asking for was room to breathe, room to move, space to do good to their families, to help their children thrive. They asked for freedom, not the relentless grind of providing for an overindulged leader at the top. Sadly, this is such a familiar story. So many leaders fall into this pattern, perhaps starting well, but driven by what? Driven by a fear of losing control, driving them to increasingly harsh restrictions, making manipulative speeches, using harsh words, instead of looking for the opportunity to shepherd people, to take an opportunity to dehumanize them, to not exercise trust. There comes a kind of crumbling on the inside with that. There's a very famous statement made by Lord Acton, a British historian in the late 19th century, which is, power tends to corrupt, but absolute power corrupts absolutely. So often, leaders miss opportunities because they try to manipulate rather than to shepherd. They use their power to suppress and quieten voices that disturb them. Look at the way that Rehoboam turned from the wisdom of the elders. They didn't say what he liked, so he just blocked them out. He dismissed their counsel because it went against his own views and desires. He silenced dissent. He lost sight of what was best, coming instead to believe a web of lies that he was fed. And this power, the power so quickly twists our interior worlds, it's hard to resist. And it's worth also bearing in mind that whenever we encounter power, we encounter a form of it here on earth, but it's reflected in the heavenlies. When we engage with power, there is always a spiritual battle going on as well. It's not just what we can see. And so when we come close to power, we need to watch very, very carefully what's happening in our internal world. Our interior lives become even more important, perhaps. And so the relief of turning to that reading from Matthew's Gospel, the relief of coming to Jesus is almost palpable. You can feel it in your body relaxing. Because Jesus came as a servant king, and he models a completely different response to the power he is given. And so when you turn to Matthew chapter 11, you'll notice a few things. First of all, notice how Jesus speaks out of his knowledge of his father. There's a very high Christology, it's called, in this passage. The, the fact that Jesus talks out of an intimate relationship. He puts himself and God into a completely different and unique category. Jesus also comes with deep humility. He doesn't point to himself, but he points all the time to his heavenly Father. He speaks of God's gracious will, his kindness, his love, the fact that he reveals himself to children. 
When you contrast Rehoboam speaking of a yoke and Jesus speaking of a yoke, it's striking the gentleness and compassion that Jesus manifests. Shepherd and oxen sort of mix kind of, let's think of Jesus as a shepherd for a moment, someone who knows his sheep and who loves them. Someone who gives his followers the dignity of choice and he loves us enough to give us space to thrive. And the yoke that Jesus offers in this passage in Matthew is one which is based on relationship. He talks about coming alongside. It's not a political yoke, but one which comes out of family. Jesus had no desire to build an earthly kingdom. His objective is for the new kingdom of God. But even as we exhale and breathe and have the sense of relief as we, we read these words, it's worth noting that he still indicates that we come weary and burdened. And also, he doesn't remove the yoke altogether. He doesn't say, you're never going to carry another burden. That's fine. Off you go. Just go and roam the world, little sheep. It's going to be just fine. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So what is the point of a yoke? Why would Jesus offer a yoke? Well, if you have found a picture, or maybe you can imagine a picture in your head of two oxen with a yoke and a plowman beside them, you can either think of Jesus as one of the oxen alongside yourself, or perhaps as the plowman. But a yoke gives direction. It provides the opportunity for mentoring. Quite often, they would put an older ox with a younger ox, and it would teach them. The oxen would learn the skills that they need to navigate. A yoke provides security, purpose. Perhaps it also reminds the ox that they are not the ones in control. And so let's listen again to that passage, but this time read from the message. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. This week I've been so struck to think about the way that Jesus still offers a yoke but it's one which fits well. And that glorious phrase which Eugene Peterson uses in the message, that as we walk with Jesus, we will experience unforced rhythms of grace. God is sovereign. God does rule. But there is freedom of human decision in response to the call of God. So the joy of following Christ is that we can entrust ourselves to his leadership. We can be gladly take on the burden he lays on us, not a heavy burden, not a tight yoke, not a way for him to control us, but a gentle yoke, which is offering us security, direction, guidance, comfort, a knowledge that we are not alone, and an opportunity to create alongside Christ. Take a moment.
Exhale, inhale, breathe it in. But then also remember this. Jesus leads us partly in order to teach us how to lead. So as you think about the week ahead and you think about how you will be led by Christ, how too will you lead this week? When you think about people whom you exercise some form of leadership over, you might think about co-workers, direct reports, indirect reports, your kids, your neighbor's kids, your neighbors who look to you, perhaps the guy who comes to fix your AC this week. People who you will have some opportunity to either lead or control? Will you offer them rhythms of grace? Will you support the ways they look for direction with gentle guidance? Will you be a means to their flourishing? And will you pray, acknowledging that every exercise of power is reflected in a spiritual battle? We're going to be quiet for a moment now. And in that time of quiet, I invite you to think about the yoke which Christ lays on you. Think about Rehoboam and the yoke he wanted to lay on his people. Think about the areas where you are led and where you lead. Perhaps you might need to take a moment to repent about where you have not offered grace to others. Or where you, out of insecurity, fear, have sought to trammel people into narrow paths. How this week can you step into rhythms of grace and invite others to go with you?